Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast for a few moments about answering our culture of despair. You know, it doesn't take much time watching television, listening to radio, reading blogs, uh, even having conversations with people down at the coffee shop to find out that there's a great deal of despair. And uh, there was a little piece in the paper uh, here in Nashville done on me yesterday. And one of the things I was grateful that it brought out, you know, it doesn't matter to me whether I'm in the paper or not, but when when they are going to do an article on me, I'd prefer it be accurate. Uh, One of the things they brought out was that I'm not, I don't despair of our culture and our times. I don't hate the other side, um, that I basically am optimistic and uh, basically embracing, not of every view, I'm not just exalting toleration above all things, but that I, I basically uh, enjoy the people even that I disagree with. And, and that's very true. But by the same token, some of my friends, left and right politically, Christian and non, uh, are very, very despairing and disillusioned at this time in history, uh, really about to open a vein. I mean, very sad. And I understand that there are things happening in our society that are not uh, pleasant, Uh, I understand there are shootings and storms and things of that nature. Uh, But at the same time, a general attitude of despair uh, is something that becomes a cancer in our own souls and it becomes a cancer in our society. And I want to just answer this for a moment. I want to give a little bit of substance to why I, not so much why I am the way I am, but but what I urge for people. Uh, One of the things that causes people Uh, to believe that these are times uh, in which we ought to despair and that it's appropriate to despair almost entirely uh, in our culture and of our culture uh, is that there is a sense that a golden age has been lost. Now, I understand that in many societies, communities around the country, you know, they can look back 50 years, hey, people didn't used to have to lock their doors, and I remember when the community pulled together, and I remember before such and such a people moved into the community, it was better, and I understand all that kind of thinking. But but I will have to say that, that I'm speaking now more as a historian than anything else, there is no golden age. There is no golden age. In fact, we are in many ways living in the greatest times uh, ever in history. I mean, I was like looking at the life of my daughter the other day. We were getting uh, lunch together and just thinking, now this is a girl who's not finished college. She doesn't have a lot of money. She lives the life that would have been the life of a king a few centuries ago. Goodness, she has a device in her pocket that brings her information from all over the world. When I walked into the uh, Mexican restaurant where we were meeting, she was watching the news, for heaven's sakes, on this little wallet-sized device. She drives this car, she, you know, a decent car. She travels the world. She spent the summer in Israel. And it, it's, it's unbelievable the life that she enjoys. And she's a, basically, she would call herself a poor college student. Uh, we we are living in the finest time. When I ask people what what are the best times for uh, you think in history, they almost always point out some time that is that is just filled with trouble. And then let's not even mention if you were black or Hispanic or or Asian at that time, or you were the oppressed people in a certain country, or you were living in Soviet Russia. I could go on and on and on. So 
to deal with in our minds, first of all, the idea that there's ever been a golden age um, is, is, is a good thing to do because otherwise our current times feel like one great big descent and they're not. Uh, second of all, often we, are, we despair greatly of processes that are normal. Um, I, I like the thrust and parry of ideas. I like clashes. I think good comes out of um, intellectual battles and discussions. It doesn't bother me when uh, the Republicans and the Democrats uh, come up to a fiscal cliff and, and argue and, 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 and do a, you know, sort of fake each other out, you know, a little brinksmanship. This, this is politics. This is politics. This is what it is to govern. Don't, don't, don't despair. Other countries have uh, killed their Speaker of the House on the floor. Uh, you know, Congresses have been machine gunned. People, the other opposition, opposition party has been arrested. Um, it's, the conflict of ideas is good. Uh, there, there's a sense in which when some of my friends say, well, nobody's getting along in D.C. Well, I certainly believe in statesmanship and rising above. At the same time, they weren't sent there to get along. They were sent there to represent opposing ideas. And so I'm not bothered that they're arguing. I'm not bothered that they're fighting it out. I'm not bothered necessarily that Mr. Obama and Mr. Boehner aren't having you know a drink at the end of the day. Let them fight out their values. We've got big, big political, intellectual, cultural battles to have and issues to decide. And they're not going to be decided without heated discussion. So let's get to it. At least it doesn't get violent. Nobody's being caned on the floor of the Congress, uh, as happened in the early 1800s. I don't like the tension and the arguing any more than anybody else, but it's part of the process of working out where the country should go. And that's very much in question right now. Uh, There's another issue that keeps me optimistic and another issue that keeps me from despairing, and that is um, something, by the way, that many people in our generation are guilty of, and, and that is believing that the opposition is evil. As I've said many times on this podcast, um, I work in D.C. I work with people on both the uh, both sides of the aisle. Um, I, I know people on both sides of the aisle. There are good, and I would even use the word godly people on in both parties, in both parties. And some of you will immediately say, because you know I'm pro-life, uh, well, all Democrats are, you know, endorse a platform that's pro-abortion. How can there be a good Democrat? Well, there are uh, good Democrats, and there are ragingly pro-life Democrats, many of them in Congress. In fact, as I've pointed out many times before, Mr. Obama uh, was proposing his, medi- uh, his uh, health care legislation. It was, it was 12 pro-life Democrats that held the bill up. Uh, until some pro-life guarantees were secured. Pro-life Democrats, men in his own party. So what I'm trying to say is I don't despair because I believe that normally the people who differ from me are good people. They're, they're people who intend good. You don't go to Congress to blow the country up. You don't go to Congress to wound and hurt people, uh, whatever party you're in. Um, and I've, I've been with men uh, who, who sit in Congress, uh, Mr. Dellums from California at one point, um, who are virtually Marxists. Um, and I don't find them evil. I vehemently disagree with everything they represented. But they weren't inherently evil men. They, they were doing what they thought was right for the country from a different perspective. So I, that makes me more the happy warrior and less the bitter, angry, um, let's kill these people and the country will get better kind of attitude. 
And then the final one is this. The final principle is this. Because I'm a Christian, because I believe in a sovereign God, uh, I believe that I live in the times I was meant to live in. I believe I basically am, give or take a few pounds, give or take a few personality oddities, I basically am who I'm supposed to be uh, living what I'm supposed to be living in our times. Um, and that makes you bold. That makes you courageous. Uh, I, I think that for many of us, we've lost the idea that there's a God involved here, um, that he's not brought us into this generation to destroy us, um, that things can change. They often change and they often change quickly. And the way they change the most is with people, when people with a sense of calling and destiny and purpose um, and uh, some level of love and uh, community orientation uh, try to make a difference in the society. And so I think that on the left and the right, to sit around hating the other side, despairing, saying the country's going to hell, cursing the other side, and then doing nothing is the dumbest response we can possibly make. And I want to leave you with that thought. Uh, many, many times I'm in the home of a friend or a relative or having a discussion with somebody maybe on their back porch, and I, I'll listen to them rant for a while. And, and I've gotten a little bit bold about this recently. I've begun to say, okay, well, what are you doing to make a difference? What, what are you doing to, to make a difference? Because I'm, I'm weary to death of the person who just wants to gripe. And on all the causes I care about, I'm active. I'm up and at it. What are you doing? Are you griping about stuff you're doing nothing to change? I guess my final, final thought as I rant on is this. Do not believe everything that CNN, Fox, MSNBC, or anybody else tells you about your world. Put your head out your window, get active, get involved, and you'll find that things are more malleable than you think. Despair is not an answer. You getting busy, and as a number of world leaders have said, becoming the change that you hope for, that's where the answer is. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN, and a blogger for a number of leading online news services. His groundbreaking books on faith and American society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, The Mormonizing of America, and the soon-to-be-released Lincoln's Battle with God. You can learn more about Stephen at www.mansfieldgroup.com and connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell for Chartwell Literary Group.